hear me? Can you hear me at home on Zoom? Lovely to see you all. Well, lovely to know you're there. How many have we got this morning, Simon? Two. Still worth it for two. And uh, great to see you all. Lovely to, to be here. Lovely, nice, bright, sunny morning. Um, hill climbing for beginners, our theme for the year. And every time I prepare a talk, I feel like a beginner every time because I know that it's a, it's a great responsibility because if I say something that's wrong, then I don't want to lead people astray. And last week, um, this latest series, which is Keep On Keeping On, which is studies in 1 and 2 Thessalonians, let, letters of Paul to Thessalonians, um, and uh, Malcolm led us off last week saying, this church in Thessalonica was doing well. It was doing well, and I hope that we're a church that's doing, doing well. But the thing, of course, is that any church that's doing well is never doing as well as it could be. Um, and there's always room for improvement. Any time, you know, when I, as when I worked as a teacher, any time Ofsted came in, and believe you me, I had my fair share of Ofsted inspections, and Her Majesty's inspectors in those days, they were, they were rascals. But... Um, they, you know, there's always something, no matter how well you did, there's always something you can do better. Um, and this church in Thessalonica um, was doing well, but it wasn't perfect. As I always say, if you find the perfect church, for goodness sake, leave straight away because you'll just ruin it. Um, and, yeah, right, okay. And anyway, um, last week as well, I've got a confession to make. Malcolm asked me personally, singled me out, have I ever been to Thessalonica? And I said, no. Actually, I have. But I was, it's now called Salonica. And I've just went through the airport to get to a lovely Christian holiday beach resort just down the road in Halkidiki. And um, so, yes, I have been to Thessalonica. Um, so I apologize for misleading you then last week. Anyway, um, have I got, yes, I've got the power. So let's just read from the passage I have this morning. And my subject is, uh, it's, it's really doing your best for God, doing better for God, or training for the best ascent, as I put as another alternative title. So let's read this. I hope you can see that. As for other matters, brothers and sisters, this is from chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. We instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified and that you should avoid sexual immorality that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God, and in this matter, no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins, and as we told you and warned you before, for God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. And so, 
there's this warning. It's, Paul starts off by saying they're doing very well, but keep going more and more. We want more progress. And then there's this warning here. Now, Thessalonica was a quite an important city in, back in those times. Roman Empire was dominant, and it was on a main trading route from the east over to, towards Italy, towards Rome. And lots of Roman domination in that area, even though it's Greece, and if you know anything about Romans, their attitude in the Roman Empire as it progressed, I mean, for all the wonderful things it, it gave us, you know, the, the roads, heating systems, you know, baths and all sorts of things like that, amazing technological advances. For all the things it gave us, for all the ease of living, you know, all the especially if you, were, if you were well off. If you weren't so well off, it probably wasn't anything like as good as that. But um, beautiful buildings, mosaics, artworks of art, um, villas, temples, you name it, it's all there. They, they were an amazingly advanced civilization. But their attitude to sex and sexual things was not according to God's word. Now, the thing with God's Word and the Bible is, it's very easy for us to come away from the, you know, reading God's Word and His instructions and say God's just a spoil sport. Nothing could be further from the truth. It's just the fact that God knows what He's created. He knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for children. And He lays it out in His Word. And that is the best way. God's way is by far the best way. And, you know, the, uh, uh, just over a year ago, I had the privilege of visiting the town of Pompeii. Has anybody ever been to Pompeii? Where it was wrecked by the, uh, yeah, by the Vesuvius, but preserved at the same time. People were wiped out there. And you look and you can see, what an amazing place it actually is. You know, you can see what it, just a glimpse of what it's like, and it's a huge area. But you see the number of brothels there were in the, in the city. And the way that the, some of the artwork that actually portrays what, what, what goes on there and what went on. The Roman Empire was very, very degraded. It was very corrupt. And it certainly didn't measure up to what God had, has in mind for us as, as his people. And people were just satisfying their lusts. That's what they did. Anything goes. You name it, it went on. Does that remind you of another highly civilized uh, situation that we might find ourselves in these days? We have every mod con. We've got all these latest technological advances. Most of us enjoy a fairly comfortable life. Amazing inventions that make our lives easier. And what do we see that is thrust down our throats by our media, by all the sort of stuff that goes on, is very, very similar to what went on in the Roman Empire back then. So Paul warning the church in Thessalonica against living the way that the people did around about them is just as important for us. We don't live the way the people around about us live. 
And Paul says he wants us to be sanctified. He wants us to be separate. We don't go along with what he's told us. You even look into some churches and they will tell you that what is, you know, what is current fashion is perfectly okay. Now, let me just say, we as Christians need to respect everybody as human beings. But we do not have to accept what they tell us. If it's not grounded in Scripture, then it's not right. It is contrary to God's perfect way. The thing, the thing that's said here, that Paul says there, if I just go back to that last little bit, anyone who rejects this instruction, now it's not to say that the, the church at Thessalonica was rife with sexual impurity and loose living, but it was a warning against what's around you infiltrating the way you think and believe. If you reject this instruction, you don't reject a human being, but you're rejecting God. It's not, we're not rejecting a human being. It's not what we think that counts. It's what God says that counts. We've always got to keep that in our mind as Christians, especially in the world that we live in today. Um, this is God's way. This is God's way for the, the wonderful gift of sex that God has given us as humans. And that is God's will, which is found right at the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 2. He says, A man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. So it's a man and a woman. They break all break away from their parents because they're now going to start to take responsibility for themselves and for any maybe children that God might bless them with. They leave their parents, they get married, they come together, united to his wife, they commit to each other and then they become one flesh. And that is God's best way. He's written the, the instruction manual for us and God knows that that is best for us. Now, if you might think to yourself, well, I, that's not the way I've done things. God forgives you. You don't have to punish yourself for wrongdoing that you might have done or something that was not quite right. God forgives. But God, let's not kid ourselves that what is told us, what is shown to us on, on our media is the way to go. And, you know, God has, has just got these, these things in our hearts. He knows that very well. He's putting these, these words into our hearts that he wants us to be holy. He wants us to be separate and different. And that's what God wants for us. Even if God has called us to be single, we've still got a family. We've got this church, God's forever family, part of the church of Jesus. So we need to be on our guard and we need to just hold fast to the things that God tells us. We're moving on. This is a contrast to the lust that is in our, in our faces all the time. This is God's love. It says now about love for one another. We do not need to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family. 
throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more. And that's the opposite of the kind of sexual perversion that we see around us. This is God's love. The kind of love that God gives. The kind of love that sent Jesus to love us so much that he went to the cross to die for us. You know, a loving church, and they're saying that the the church of Thessalonica is, is a great church, a good church, but there's room for improvement. It says, to make Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands, just as we told you. So your daily life may win the respect of outsiders so you will not be dependent on anybody. I want to tell you a story. There was a father and he, he lived with his son, and his father was not a well-off man, and his son was a bright, a bright young man, and he decided for the first time that a member of his family was going to go off and train at university. So this son, Albert, he went off, and he did his, did his degree, got a first class. Fantastic. And his dad very proudly went along to the, to the graduation ceremony. And his dad said, hey, Albert, he says, right, I've struggled, I've worked hard all these years to put you through university. Can you guess where he came from? No. Okay. Anyway, I got through university and, you, and you've graduated. You've made me so proud. You're the first lad from our family who's ever gone through university and graduated and you, you, you're, a real, you're a real credit to us son you know that's really fantastic yeah, thank you father it was, it was wonderful and, and I really enjoyed I really enjoyed the, uh, the experience and I, I'm really well qualified that was Albert speaking so the father said well uh, lad um, you know what I want to know now is what are you going to do what are you going to do with all You've got these qualifications. They're great qualifications. You could, the world is your lobster. You could go anywhere. So I said, well, Father, you know what I think I really want to do? I want to retire. Put my feet up, maybe play a few round of golf, rounds of golf and, uh, and just, um, you know, maybe uh, do a bit of whittling or something, you know? And what a ridiculous answer that would be. When Albert has the whole of his working life ahead of him, and what does he want to do? He wants to retire. In fact, one of my, a GP I had uh, some years ago lived next door to me. And um, he, you know, he was probably in his late 30s, 40s, Julie, was he at the time? I said, you know, so how's it all going? And he said, yeah, I'm just looking forward to retiring. I just want to retire. And, you know, and this is what one of the problems was with the church at Thessalonica, certain members of it. Now, <clears throat> the, the various reasons, some of them had given up work. They decided 
that Jesus was going to return so soon, it just simply wasn't worth going back to work. So we'll just, we'll just lay off work till Jesus comes. It's only going to be a few days and that's in the end of it, so fine. Because there'd been influences from outside. Some people had come into the church and said, you know, Jesus is coming back. You know, the Bible's clear. And it's true, Jesus is coming back. The Bible is clear, but we don't know when. We should live as if Jesus is coming back this very day. But that doesn't mean throw it all in and retire before you've actually started. Some people may have decided that because Jesus' return was so imminent, that they were going to just give it all up and go out and evangelize, try and win as many souls for Jesus as they possibly could. But again, I think this is misguided. Yes, we should evangelize, we should witness, but God doesn't want us to be idle. God doesn't want us to be irresponsible. And there could have been a third group of people who were just a load of bone-idle bone wasters and bounders. So I don't know. But that was the point. That's the worst thing about this church. And Paul is trying to encourage them, again, to, yes, winning souls is a priority. Jesus is coming back. But it doesn't mean that we actually have to just um, give it all up. Here it is, look. Make it lead a quiet life. In other words, not just seeking pleasure to please yourself. Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and mind your own business. Don't be a pain in the neck like some Christians are. Wherever they go, they make themselves totally unpopular. You need to shine for Jesus wherever you are. That's what Paul wants his, this church to do. Because in a very dark world, he wanted them to shine out like lights. Work with your hands. In other words, don't give it all up. Now, I, know, I don't think there's anybody here who's thinking just of ditching their job simply because they think Jesus is coming back tomorrow or something, because he could come back tomorrow, but you still ought to get to work, and uh, he'll soon take care of it wherever you are. Don't worry. Even if you work down a coal mine or something, Jesus can get you out when he comes back. There's no problem about that. You don't need to worry. Your daily life needs to win the respect of outsiders so you will not be dependent on anybody. Paul was someone who spoke with great um, authority on this matter because whenever he went, he made sure that he wasn't scrounging off the local churches who probably were finding it hard to make ends meet anyway. What he was doing was he used to go and he would do his own work. He'd carry on working. He would make some tents, which was his main um, trade. So he would be a tent maker and he, he made sure he wasn't a burden on local churches who were struggling anyway. I know some people here may be struggling with finances. But let's, let's work together. Let's work for the glory of God and the gospel. So we're going on a little bit further. Right, this is, we moved into chapter 5. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Have them in the highest regard, in love, because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And this is telling us to respect the people who do work in the church. And we, 
we should all be doing that. It is not just a few people. It's not four men who do the work in the church. It is everybody who works for, for the Lord. Everybody who has a responsibility. No matter what it is, let's ha- hold each other in high regard. Let's respect each other. Let's give each other the credit for what, we, that what God achieves through us. And live in peace with each other. Let's not be troublemakers and let's not make things worse. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that no one pays back wrong for wrong, but strive to do, always strive to do, what is good for each other and for everyone else. We've got to be responsible. We've got to take responsibility. And that's the thing about the gospel. It is not a few people or one person in a church who tells you all what to do. It is God. Always look up Scripture. Please check it over. If I'm, what I'm saying is a load of old hogwash, then you find out what the truth is and come and tell me I'm talking a load of hogwash. Not, but not just now. All right. Yeah, there were some, some in, the, in the fellowship who were lazy, bone idle. We've talked about them. There were some who disrupted the fellowship. There was infiltration. There are people who come into churches and are there purely to disrupt and to lead people astray. So we, we need to be on, on, uh, you know, on alert for those people because they can cause all kinds of problems. We've had them, and the best thing to do is to to love them, but we can't let them have free reign and say whatever they like. And, of course, there's a lot of time-wasting involved in that sort of thing and takes away from what God wants to achieve. Right, uh, let's keep on, because time is getting by. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do you know that chorus, complain in the Lord always, and again I say complain. Do you remember that one? No. Rejoice in the Lord. We should be a rejoicing people. Yes, we're not always happy, but we should always be joyful because Jesus has saved us, because Jesus has made the way for us to have fellowship with God. And you, you, you know, you listen to some Christians, then you'd think that you know the complaining bit was was what God had commanded us to do. But He says, pray continually as as well here. Pray continually. Obviously, you can't get down on your knees and shut your eyes and pray the whole time, especially when you're driving or something like that. You just can't do it. But you can pray continually. You can have the presence of God in your mind, and you can just whack things up to Him straight away as soon as they come into your head. And he can get, speak to you back again. can be anywhere, wherever you like. It can be while you're driving. It can be at home while you're doing the washing up. It can be up a tree, you know, down a pit. Whatever it is, God can, you can communicate with God. So let's just have God in our spirit. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. And then we move on. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. 
Notice what Paul says. Don't quench the Spirit. Don't pour cold water on everything that God is trying to achieve. And he says, don't treat uh, prophecies with contempt. But he doesn't just say, accept every prophecy that you hear, because that would be madness. Because sometimes a prophecy can be misguided, it can be wrong, it can be wishful thinking. But test. No prophecy that's of God can possibly contradict something that's in God's Word. And sometimes you can get a, just a feeling in your spirit, a witness, a, a discernment that the prophecy that you hear that someone is saying is not of God. Or equally, you can get a witness in your spirit and the fact that it, it seems to be of God that that prophecy is right and needs to be listened to. Let's test everything and let's ask God to give us that gift of discernment of spirits. Because it's not, if it's not of God, it could just be of man or it could be of the devil. So we need to be on our guard for these things. But let's have some prophecies. Let's let God speak through us. Let's hear God's voice and test them prayerfully. Now, may the God, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is coming. But don't give up your work in the meantime. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. So I just, I just want to read through that again and just pray that as a prayer for us. I pray that we're a church that is pleasing to God and is doing the right thing and going in the right direction. But I pray that God is showing us where we need to do things differently as a fellowship and for us as individuals. I'm going to read through it again. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. So let's pray. I've finished. Heavenly Father, thank you for these words which give us guidance. Lord, we live in a world which is full of sexual sin. I pray you'd keep us away from that. Keep us away from temptation. Lord, help us to live according to the instructions that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you would just bless us. Help us to be a church which is doing well, which is loving, which is a witness in this dark world. Pray that you would keep us separate from all the stuff that goes on which is not of you. Father, I pray you'd build us, you'd help us to encourage one another. Help us to just speak to people who are needing that little little help, little bit of attention, little bit of encouragement. And Father, Lord, make us into that church. Help us to keep on keeping on as we climb the hills for you, Father. 
In Jesus' name, amen.